0: Here he comes now.
1: Hello and welcome to Star Trek Mission Report. I'm Josh. I'm
2: Steve. I'm Bill. Hello, Bill. Welcome to the show. And that's a great show, guys. Yeah, that was great. Oh,
1: that was great.
2: Yeah. yeah wow. Well, well, thanks over. for coming. We yeah. we
1: start at the ending and we go backwards. So get it. No. Time travel. <laughs> sponsor, you know.
2: Read Shadow Legends. Yes.
1: <laughs> yes. So yeah, Bill from Five One Five Gaming and newly crowned field of geek amongst us all, uh, join us for this special episode. This episode, obviously, we're gonna play a little bit of catch up. It's been it's been a while. Um, apologies. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot out there to talk about. We'll go over some news items real quick, and then we'll dive into our main event, Star Trek for the Voyage Home. Uh, of course, we got some new Trek coming up. Uh, Star Trek Discovery season four will be dropping. I'm not sure if it's this fall or might be 2022. Steve, you're in the middle of season three. Well, not really in the middle. You're just starting, correct? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I just started the Abomination. I mean, season three. Um, <laughs> no, I I can't say that yet. I haven't. No, seen give, thing, yeah, but, you give it a fair um, shot. I know you will, but yeah, you could write I'll better. Give it, yeah, absolutely. You're and a good I writer. I always try to find something. Yeah, right. I'll, I'll make something up. No, but I don't know. It's visually amazing. I mean, it really truly is. Right. Uh, and I've only seen the first episode, but uh, you know I was telling Josh that I could watch it with the sound down and like maybe the Blade Runner soundtrack playing in the background and. Yes, it, it'd be amazing, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, it's its own thing, that's for sure.
1: I want to like it, you know, but yeah, there's just a lot of uh, a lot of downs with the new Trek. You know, I just the writing's just not that great. Hopefully, sometime we'll maybe get into some of the season three episodes, and uh, I'd like to talk about Lower Decks eventually, which uh, season two is currently on Paramount Plus. Uh, I think we're. F- four episodes in maybe five pretty good so far like i told everyone here i think it's the best thing of new trek even though some of the humor i'm just kind of like i don't know if i want that in star trek world but i get it's a cartoon so you know it's um it really does honor a lot of the canon of star trek but yeah it's pretty solid i think and yeah it's very attractive as well you don't have to mute this one so that's that's our good start right (laughs) star trek Picard season two will be coming. Q's returning. Uh, There'll be some time travel involved. Uh, John Delancey is not hiding his age. something
2: that might actually get me into it. I I
1: think from what I hear, they're going to kind of lightly reboot the show in a way. Because the way season one was, it was just kind of a mess. I think they started with an idea and then... Changed midway through. Tried to actually change the idea in post, and just kind of made a a Joss Whedon, if you will, of this the season. I think it started out pretty solid, but you know, it, it's a bummer. I, I think it could have been much better. But th- this new Trek, supposed, you know, they want it to be very dark and it's very violent. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like a kind of like a group of uh, high schoolers got into a room, you know, and they're like, oh, we can say fuck, and we can talk about boobies and, you know, all those other stuff. It's just yeah, you know, kind of a, kind, kind of a like the
2: first the uh, South Park movie when they realized they didn't have to censor everything.
1: That's <laughs> right, pretty <laughs> much it. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Uh, we also have Star Trek Prodigy coming, I think, this fall. Uh, Catherine Janeway herself is returning uh, in animation form. And that's a Nickelodeon show, which is maybe geared more towards kids. It's grounded a lot more than Lower Decks is. So I look forward to that. I think it looks pretty good. It's um, 3D animated. Yeah, that'll be uh, something I can definitely watch with my kids. Lower decks, I try to, but yeah, there's some stuff in there. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no, I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> Get out of the room, kids. I got to watch my lower decks. But uh, obviously, Star Trek Strange New Worlds is the, the big show I think me and Steve are looking forward to the most, which uh, has uh, Anson Mount return as Captain Pike. So ever since season two of Discovery, people have been wanting a show like this, and we're finally getting it after, um, yeah, it's been two, three years, I think, so. um, Way too
0: long. He was the best thing about season two of Discovery.
1: He was. He was. He really was. He really commanded that show, and then you could definitely tell his absence. (laughs) It was felt when he left, but uh, at least we get a spinoff. That's, I think, what people wanted more than anything from this new Trek. Not really more Discovery. Right. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I know people out there like, some people like Discovery, and I hate to knock it, I really do. In the beginning, I really wanted to love it, and I and I actually did give it a good pass, but then, you know, just over time, I was like, oh man, it's just not, I, I just see a lot of flaws, you know, and didn't used to see that in my Star Trek, so I don't think it's the same situation as when TNG came on board, you know, um, I think it's quite different, in my opinion, but... Yeah, strange new worlds so that should be pretty cool also congrats to anson mount he's uh, expecting his first child with his wife he's not pregnant so unless they write that oh. into the, the show but yeah i know right <laughs> Bullshit.
2: they've done weirder things yeah, <laughs> yeah like yeah, right?
1: junior you know arnold schwarzenegger and danny devito that was a that was a movie <laughs> looks like we're finally getting this another star trek film after many years hopefully this one will actually happen I'm doubting it a little bit, but we'll see. There's been a lot of you know, false announcements, pretty much. Uh, but yeah, it looks like uh, writers on this will be Lindsay Beer and Geneva Robertson. She also wrote Captain Marvel. J.J. Abrams will produce still, and Matt uh, Shakeman will direct. He directed some of WandaVision and Game of Thrones.
0: So we don't know if it's going to be the verse or
1: unclear i i think it will be the the cast have expressed their wants to come back but i think that will hurt the budget because you know a lot of those are a lot of those actors are big stars now so we'll see if they decide just to do some unknowns or whatever i mean there's so much they could explore i'm okay with seeing another crew you don't always have to be the enterprise you know so
0: yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. I would be fine with that. Maybe they course correct the Kelvin verse and get us back to the regular verse. I don't know. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, Gene Roddenberry would have been 100 years old, I think, last week or so um, was his yeah, birthday. The 19th, I think, was his birthday. Yeah, that's insane. Uh, like, uh, they have announced a biopic on his life before and after Star Trek. Uh, his son, Rod, who's an executive producer on New Trek, he's producing... Or working on the project, excuse me. He might be producing it. I'm sure he will. Uh, Script will be written by Adam Mazer. He's an Emmy Award winner for You Don't Know Jack, which was the 2010 HBO film about Dr. Jack Kevorkian starring Al Pacino. I never did see that film, but I'm sure it's pretty solid. Uh, Roddenberry, extraordinary man. I mean, complicated man, of course. um, Flawed, like all of us. But yeah, he served in World War II. He was a fighter pilot. He survived two plane crashes and became a great television producer. And yeah, dreamt up the whole world of Star Trek. So owe a lot to him, obviously. And that's that's cool. I look forward to seeing that film. I wonder if it will be actually on the big screen or not. But uh, about damn time, right? He died in 91. So yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised we haven't wow. had it sooner, really.
2: Well, and I th- I think a lot, too. Like, there's a lot of um, uh, space programs that are kind of dedicated to Gene Roddenberry. Yes. Um, I remember seeing an ad on Facebook about this, like, not too long ago. It's kind of weird, but... Um, it was a call. I, uh, I think some of the, like, actual cast members are, like, quote members of this thing or whatever, but it's like a, a yearly subscription to some science... Oh, sweet. space magazine club nice. thing. I don't know. That's awesome. But uh, no, he had like he had uh, some pretty deep visions for the future. He kind of wanted society to emulate Star Trek in yes. a way, where we had you know no prejudices, no crime, no war, to some extent. I mean, amongst ourselves. Of course, yeah. I mean, yeah. He was asking for a lot
1: back when the original show was on, and yeah, they broke a lot of new ground and it's shocking how they got away with it but it, it happened i mean they had um i think the first interracial kiss uh, between kirk and her that was uh controversial the south sponsors i think we're gonna pull out yeah
2: big there were deal even, there. Uh, there were even members of his own production staff that were like you'll never work in Hollywood <laughs> again after this right right and here we are 100 years later absolutely whatever, yeah. you know having star trek day yeah. Yes. Exactly.
1: So That's right, man. Yeah, it stood the test of time. Yeah, right.
2: You don't know anything.
1: <laughs> and then finally, uh Star Trek, the uh, original uh, films of the old cast are gonna be released uh next month, September, on four K. So that's a that's wow. an awesome awesome treat there. I'm sure it'll be a little pricey but worth it. Uh Bill, I think you just <laughs> Didn't you just buy them on Blu-ray?
2: Um, Not too long ago, yeah. Yeah,
1: so, yeah. Wasn't a great announcement so, uh, for you?
2: <laughs> but, well, you know what? I don't have a 4K K player, so... Right. I don't either. Whatever. Yeah.
1: I need a PS5 or just go out and buy a player, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's how it goes, man. Uh, it'll have uh, all the original cuts, I believe. The uh, Star Trek, the motion picture director's cut... Will be released eventually in 4K. This is a huge deal because this was released only on DVD, for, uh, as far as I know, It was never on Blu-ray.
2: I didn't know about that until you were you mentioned something about it to me uh, yes. last week. I yeah. was like, oh well, I wish I would have known that before I bought the box set. So well, you know,
1: it's kind of cool to compare both. You point, know, but, it's nice um, to have part of your collection because it's it's like you yeah. know it's like a, you know the Blade Runner. There's like, what, five different versions of that movie? Yeah, Uh,
0: 300 different.
1: 300, and you have like all of them, don't you, Steve?
0: I have them all. You have them all. Every week they're releasing a new version. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: The cash grab version. The bathroom cut. Yes.
1: Two hours uncut. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's the director
2: i oh, uh, Ultra HD. <laughs> Ultra HD? You're going to feel this shit. You can, shit. You
1: can
2: <laughs> feel the reverb of the
1: porcelain. <laughs> Sounds clean. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, the director's cut is a huge deal. So they'll, they'll go back and remaster it for 4K. Uh, this was a huge undertaking. Uh, Robert Wise, who directed the motion picture, his version... Never really saw a light of day until the DVD release of uh, his director's cut. Uh, They rushed the motion picture into the theaters. Uh, I've even heard the damn film was still wet from the flight just to get it into the theater. Yeah, because they foolishly, I believe, before the damn movie even started filming, already announced a release date. So they were already (laughs) strapped for time. Um, there's a history of that, yeah. the Star Trek films. So he did not like that film until he was allowed to do this director's cut. And it took fans to actually get this project off the ground and got him involved. And you know, he passed away years later, but at least he finally got this, you know, fulfilled. and uh, it's I think it's a huge improvement, in my opinion. Over the original, not to you know say bad things about the original, but it's got better effects and parts, uh, you know, more of what they intended. So it's really worth checking out. Steve, did you ever see the director's cut of the motion picture?
0: I did. Yeah, I, I've seen both, and the director's cut is absolutely superior to the regular. And um, you know, I, I love director's cuts of things typically anyway, um, just because you know you every time I've ever seen a director's cut of almost any movie yeah I'm always scratching my head as to why they didn't really release it that way the first time right Uh,
1: damn studios
0: man I mean yeah and I I get it a little bit with Lord of the Rings only because those movies are 13 hours long each (laughs) and uh, (laughs) but at the same time you know the extended versions of those were just phenomenal you know but uh, yeah I think the uh, director's cut of uh, motion picture I I thought it was great Totally agree. Yeah, definitely check that out, Bill.
1: I could you loan you my DVD copy, but it's not going to look that great <laughs> compared to what it's going to look like. So hopefully right. that will be out soon. It probably will be, I'm guessing, 2022 to give them enough time to work on it. So in the meantime, yeah. the, the ones you buy in the big pack that's coming out, those, um, and I don't know how much remastering those are. Because, you know, sometimes they kind of just transfer it simply, you know, like they did with a lot of DVDs, the Blu-ray they still look, look like crap they're just on blu-ray you know so i'm hoping that these are actually remastered into blu-ray you know they took the negatives and actually you know did justice to it just take more money you know for me everyone i just ordered the uh special remaster of star trek 2 soundtrack so i'm looking forward to that steve i think you got that yourself correct or ordered I did. It. did it already come
2: yep
0: not yet
1: not yet not yet special delivery so special D. Yep. Special D. Yep. I'm looking forward to mine. So, yeah, more on that later. Uh, I would love to play some, but it'll probably get dinged for copyright. So,
2: probably.
1: But we'll get attention, right? So, that might be worth it. I'll think about <laughs> it. I'll think about it. We'll just talk every uh, two seconds. Maybe that'll, that'll help. Yeah, or just play like two and a half seconds of it total. <laughs> what if we hum it ourselves? Does that matter?
2: Does that count? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that doesn't count at all. Uh, yeah, I think that's covered under fair use. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just do like a little acapella chorus. Oh, there you go. <laughs>
1: Pitch perfect it. There you go. I like it. That's a good idea, Bill. Very good idea. Now wait, just a damn Spock.
2: Start your computations for time warp,
1: Bones. So yeah, let's get to our main topic today: Star Trek for the Voyage Home it just turned 35. Hard to believe, isn't it? Man, I saw that in the theater. Jeez. That's crazy, man. What was your memories of of that time? Like, uh, you know, were you excited about the film? Were you into, so far, what they, you know, covered? You know, Star Trek 1 through 3?
0: Yeah, you know, I was super pumped for it. I mean, I've been a Star Trek fan since I was six years old when my dad introduced it to me in reruns. In the 70s and so that would have made it would have been 1975 i first episode i remember is the devil in the dark uh the original star trek series and ever since i was hooked and so yeah you know seeing one two and three in the theaters and then um you know having four come out um it was just really awesome and and then seeing the movie and going through it uh was really cool because it it kind of made Star Trek really cool on a on a more mainstream stage right you know it was a very accessible movie to non-trekkies and um yeah it was just really I mean it, it had a lot of mainstream appeal and uh, I believe at the time was the best in the box office for, for yeah. those movies but I, I don't know yeah, you're right yeah, I think I it thought.
1: wasn't until 09 Star Trek um they got knocked down at number two but yeah it was yeah the top yeah, it was just universally loved it. There was really no villains in it, other than mankind, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, right. But, I mean, there's there's no weaponry, really. Nothing was used. Um, I guess the harpoon at the end, but it didn't pierce anything. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's like the only movie you could really, you know, if you're not a fan of Star Trek, you'll like it, most likely. And and hopefully it helped a lot of people get into Star Trek, because it, it just it kind of teased what you know it kind of teased their uniforms and stuff uh, it was my first star trek movie from my memory uh, on home video oh. obviously but that yeah. was i think my very first introduction into star trek and my dad and family knew more than i did and you know they were kind of it was kind of like a mythology like they were telling me of you know oh they have these uniforms and the enterprise cuz you don't see any of that in 4 really you see some of the uniforms but they're not the classic uniforms yeah, it kinda really got me going with it and I think I eventually saw the shows and then the movies, more of the films after that. But yeah, um I think this was my this is my first introduction, so pretty pretty solid. I I think I dug it a lot as a kid, you know. Um had whales in it, man. Come on, how could you not dig that? It's uh The whales. <laughs> the whales George and Gracie. George and Gracie, absolutely. What were your first thoughts coming out of the film after you saw it back then?
0: So uh, I just remember thinking, you know, um, when can I see it next? You know, <laughs> um, right. that was the thing to do back in the day was, you know, see movies three or four or five times in a row in the theaters. And I, I, I think I've seen it several times in the theater and at least a hundred times since, but, uh, you know, I just remember loving it to death and, you know, it's one of those movies that, you know, as I. You know, uh, met my soon-to-be wife and all those things. I, you know, was trying to introduce her to what a nerd's life is actually like, and <laughs> um, you know, she she loved that movie. You know, and so that's just it. Just speaks to Nimoy's vision and the universal appeal that it had. It yes. was just uh, just a real fun movie, and and. i just remember seeing it in the theater and and it was i saw it in the indian hills theater in omaha nebraska and that was a theater that was in it was an indoor theater and it had this huge curved screen it wasn't an imax but it was just a big ass screen um theater very popular in omaha and now it's a parking lot Uh, i was uh,
1: gonna ask where uh, where is it now (laughs)
0: Damn. Yeah, it's, it doesn't exist. Shit. But uh, it was, you know, I always tried to see all the cool movies there because, yeah. you know, seeing a, a space movie on that big screen was just really cool, you know. But, uh, sure. yeah, man, I mean, it was it was universally loved. I mean, I, I didn't know anyone that had anything bad to say about that movie. Right. Yeah,
1: it's a very unique film. And yeah, uh, Bill, what was your uh, initial thoughts of the movie?
2: Well, I think you and I had this discussion last week, but you and I had a very um, similar... Introduction into Trek, mm-hmm. and this was the first Star Trek movie I ever saw. Anyway, and it's remained one of my favorite Star Trek movies of all time, um, especially the original six. I'd say it's my number one. Movie. Yeah, it's, um, it's up there. This uh, this definitely got me involved into the lore. I started going back and watching the original series episodes, and around that time, Next Generation was just starting to spool up. So yeah, I mean that that's really what got what got me into it. I'd actually. Hadn't seen one in theaters until Star Trek Six. That was the first one I ever saw in theaters. Likewise, um, yep, um,
1: that was my first. But
2: one. Uh, yeah, we had um, we had just that one on on BHS, and we got it because my mom liked whales, or my dad got <laughs> it because my mom liked whales. So um, <laughs> I watched positive. it, and then I like the next day I was like, can I watch it again? And then like you know I probably watched it like for a week straight. <laughs> like every single day right um, but yeah that really got me into the lore and everything and I think the the greatest part about it is the message it has like so many movies that you love when you're a kid you go back and watch them as an adult and they do not stand the test of time this is one movie that I don't think will ever not be relevant in that regard right uh, i I think the movies aged exceptionally well I think Fans of you know, all generations would would fall in love with the movie if they saw it.
1: Yeah, it's very solid. Uh, humor, everything's just right. Um, you know, it just was yeah. like a lightning in a bottle, you could say.
2: As a, yeah, as an introduction to the seri- to Star Trek as a whole, it might seem a little bit campy, but then you have to think too. The mo- the two movies that came before it had such dark. Um, right, somber yeah. endings to it. Holy them. shit, it did, yeah. And, yeah. and this was Leonard Nimoy saying, okay, we need to lighten it up a little bit. It's getting a little too serious in here.
1: Well, that's the other thing, like, coming into this film, so much shit already happened, and they don't really talk much about it, because, you know, they assume everyone saw the, the first two. So you go in like, Kirk's son's dead. Spock's acting yeah. weird, I guess, to them. Um, why is he not in the
2: uniform? Then I guess what's confusing about it is you go and, you know, you watch Star Trek 4, you mm-hmm. go back and watch some of the original series, and then everyone's, like, so different. You know, Spock's acting different. Or, yeah. And you're like, well, what happened between then and now? Right. And I remember, like, bugging my dad about it. Just like, what happened? <laughs> what happened? What happened? And he finally got tired of, like, telling me. He's like, you know what? We're just going to go out and find all of them. And that's, <laughs> Oh, that's great. That's exactly what we did. It's like, we, we got Star Trek 1, and I watched that, and I was kind of like, oh, okay... And then um, around the time that we started, you know, trying to collect the rest of them in the series, is when they came out with that um, six movie set VHS set that, like, when you put it all together, it formed the universe. yeah, yep. right. So, I have that. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I still have that in my in my storage. It's the only, probably the only VHS tapes tapes I still have. Wow, but, uh, that's so cool.
1: Yeah, that I uh, Yeah, because yeah. I mean, our generation just were so spoiled you know because it was just yeah. picking up again you know eight i was born 81 and then 82 the uh, uh, star trek wrath of khan comes out and then more movies more movies and then tng and then yeah it's just like uh, it was just it was great times man it was awesome times and and i i think steve you were hesitant of tng at first but then you grew to grew to like it correct
0: yeah, you know, I mean, I was just such a huge fan of the original series and um, and the movies and and, and all that stuff that, that came with them, and when it first came out, I remember the first two seasons, I just, I never even really watched it or gave it a chance, and then mm-hmm. you know, I had some friends who were really into it, and, um, you know, they always had pretty good judgment with what they watched and what right. I liked, and, yeah. you know, so I'm like, all right, fine, I'll give this stupid show a chance, <laughs> and it was awesome, of course. <laughs> right,
1: you know. right. Well, yeah, and I just I had a thought backing up to, you know, when you saw Star Trek four in the in the theater, uh, I wanted to see it again. Like back then, I think it took a long time for I mean, videotapes were new. And so you at least had the possibility of, of buying it, you know, some sometime soon. But they used to take. Almost a year to come out, didn't they? I mean, it took a while. No,
0: or longer. Yeah. Or longer yeah. sometimes. Right.
1: So yeah, you really had to go see it many times to get tired of it, basically, to, you know, get your fix, if you will. So many people now don't even don't even realize that you know uh, difference there. It's it's just crazy. But now you can, you know, you can go to Netflix and any streaming, uh, Paramount Plus especially, to get all your Star Trek stuff. It's it's insane.
0: It's insane. Accessibility was not not easy then.
2: <laughs> no kidding, man. Because um, I think I forget which uh, I don't know if it was Fox that was uh, running the syndicated original series episodes, but I think they had them on at like really weird hours. Yeah, it was either really early in the morning or really late at night. Right. So it was kind of hit or miss. And then of course they uh, they never went like you know season one, season two. Whatever they just kind of played one,
1: right? And yeah, I mean, that was the, right. that was the same for the, the yeah the TV shows, right? You miss an episode, uh well, you have to wait for the rerun. You're gonna be lost for yeah. a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, man, that was yeah, it was yeah. Fox 17 for us here, I believe. Uh, first time I saw TNG or like uh, a reference to it was I was watching Reading Rainbow with LeVar Burton, and he was doing a <laughs> tour of the. Of the ship, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, he's 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 on this show too!" Like Star oh, Trek. Nice. I know Star Trek. I think it's like this looks mm-hmm. different. So it was very early, you know, of me getting into it. But once I got into it, man, I was it was crazy. I real quick memory Star Trek Six. Uh, my stepdad was taking me, and my stepdad worked for a video distributor, so they got all kinds of merch from the Trek films. Like for instance, Voyage Home, we had a blow up Enterprise. I Wish I still had that thing. Spock ears I think from Star Trek 5 and the hat so I kind of tried to cosplay I guess you could say um, and I thought it'd be really cool you know I thought he'd really get a kick out of it so I was getting ready and so I, uh, I taped my Vulcan ears to my Star Trek hat put it on I'm like I'm ready to go and he's like you're taking that off right now <laughs> <laughs> so I was kind of like uh disheveled a little bit and I was like alright fine you're no fun
0: well, you it's know. cool now. Then it's, it's just uh, yes. you a know, ticket to an ass beating. Uh, you know? Absolutely. Exactly. I, yeah. And he's yeah, like, yeah, I right. don't
1: want to defend this kid. Like He's choosing to dress this way. So <laughs> the hell's like, wrong yeah, with him? Yeah, beat up the nerd. Yeah, right. Like, bing, 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 bing. <laughs> like, right, here. right here. Right yep. here. Yes. Uh, of course, what brought us to talking about Star Trek 4, Bill and I recently got to uh, go see the screening at um, Jordan Creek Cinema here. Cinemark, I believe that's the... Uh, franchise, the theater franchise, uh, it was a Fathom event screening. Uh, they have put on a lot of old films. They've done a lot of Star Trek episodes, and they've done the DS9 documentary, What We Leave Behind. I saw that many years ago. That was my first Fathom event, and uh, they also did the 40th anniversary of Star Trek, the motion picture. I saw that as well. Uh, this was supposed to be a 4K remaster of Star Trek 4. I'm not sure if it was it still kind of didn't look like the best quality, in my opinion, uh, for a 4K. But, I mean, it was it didn't look terrible by any means. I
2: did, but, I did notice a little more sharpness to it. I mean, yeah, it again, probably I, was. You know. yeah,
1: yeah, it was a little grainy, but it could have just been the way it was on screen too. Who knows? I mean, I think the theater yeah. itself has to have the right, you know, equipment to really get it out. So. Like I said, it didn't look cool. terrible. It was really cool. These presentations usually have something special at the beginning, like, you know, just like an introduction from, you know, the writer, director that's involved with the uh, what you're about to watch. Uh, in this case, it was Nicholas Meyer and Harv Bennett. They uh, basically played a three-picture saga featurette. So I don't know if a lot of people realize this, but they probably do for most most part if you're a Star Trek fan. But basically, two, three, and four are, trilogy of films it's one story one complete story out of the whole you know set of films this was the complete and actually released that on in a blu-ray set I bought so pretty damn cool to have that did you realize at the time Steve that this is like kind of like a trilogy of films or do they market it that way to you
0: they didn't really market it that way it was just um, an ongoing saga so to speak right? right I mean you know one gets done um, and they kind of reboot, kind of what they were trying to accomplish with <laughs> yeah. with uh, with Wrath of Khan, and yep. and then yeah, you know, I mean, everything just you know spiraled from there, you know, yeah, <laughs> uh, of course, uh, the actions of the Enterprise, what happened to it, and you know, boom, now they're in a bird of prey and and number four, and yeah, I mean, it was a uh, it was a pretty cool it was a pretty cool storytelling technique that they just you know continued that. Um, but at the time, they weren't marketing it as a trilogy or anything. It was just, you know, hey, here's the next one, and right. it continues where it left off.
1: Right. And did you have a pretty good um, indication that we would get a five
0: at the time? After the fourth one, I would assume, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, if they don't do a five, they're morons. <laughs> and then they did a five, and I'm like, oh, God, I hope they Why did six. you do
1: a five? <laughs> <Right. Yeah. laughs> we should talk about five sometime because, you know, it does get a, a bad rap for many reasons, valid reasons, but they they decided to go with a whole new effects company, which was really dumb. They wanted to save money, yeah. obviously. Uh, Shatner had a, a much bigger uh, vision, and they ran out of money, so they couldn't really do it. So it was just kind of a lackluster film. It had some good moments, I think, and Cy, Cybok was an interesting character. Um, definitely was not a four, if you, <laughs> you could say that. I'm sure a lot of people who saw More four were like, what the hell is this? <laughs> But
2: yeah, it was very well, I different. Think when, uh, I think when they were doing press for the first J.J. J. Abrams Star Trek, mm-hmm. Simon Pegg was like, man, I hope this movie doesn't tank because all the odd-numbered ones suck. <laughs> and it really, like, I mean, that's kind of a, you know, a well-known stigma among Trekkies is yeah. that the even-numbered films are the best ones. Right, right. But, um, yeah. For me, seeing it in the theater like that, though, was like seeing it again for the first time. Cool. So, I mean, that was was really cool, and I don't think there was a single person sitting in the theater with us that was bored.
1: No, You know, everyone was
2: laughing at the jokes, even though they probably heard the same lines 2,000 times and had the movie memorized. (laughs) It's
1: just just so great, because I didn't get the chance to see it on the big screen, you know? A a lot of these cool throwback films, if you will, Uh, Flick's Brewhouse here in... Uh, Des Moines, you know they they pull they they put on a lot of those shows and um, yeah I love Fathom Events I think they do a great job bringing these films to us they they bring so many classics back to the big screen and it's really it's a special um, special night and um, yeah I'm sorry you couldn't come Steve um, Steve was working yeah. really hard
0: It was a drag I so wanted to do that but I mean you know it is it is what it is I should give you my
1: bootleg copy of Star Trek Four I'll just get off my shelf here. <laughs> I, I did a little too much LDS in the 60s. Oh, my God. That was hilarious, wasn't it? Oh, geez. Of course, uh, as a kid, you're like, I don't know what the hell that is. Like, uh, I right, guess. What's LDS, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. What was that, Dad Trump? <laughs> what, what are your takeaways from this film, the parts you really liked the most uh, that stuck with you, I guess?
2: I think a lot of what I took away from it is that it's a... Fish out of water story without feeling like a fish out of water story. If that makes any sense? Yeah, does to um, me. You know, it's it, it's cool to see them interacting and like basically this was supposed to take place in present day, right? right. Like at the time that it released, I don't know right. exactly what the release date was, but it was um, uh, November
1: eleventh, nineteen eighty six. So yeah, it pretty okay, much so took yeah, place was, the same year.
2: That was pretty cool. I mean, and you know, it's also you see kind of the the sign of the times with it too I mean they they treat Chekhov like he's you know nuts like we would like we would treat Osama Bin Laden probably <laughs> right you know right I mean? because they were just coming off the Cold War and everything like that and so I mean it was, it was cool to see like what um, you know people from the future would interact with and I think it kind of gave that message of maybe we shouldn't be hunting these creatures, creatures yeah. that are part of our planet into Oblivion, because you never know. Right. Some alien probe that'll never get explained in the history of Star Trek uh, <laughs> will come and destroy your planet. But, well, that was the beauty of it, um, I
1: think, is it never was explained. Yeah. I think, it was too. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, I think the, the best part of it was that they wanted um, Leonard Nimoy to put subtitles for the conversation right. between the probe and the whales. Yes. And he declined that, saying it'll have more effect if we don't know what's going on. Right. And it, I think it did. I mean, I think if you had subtitles on there and then like, do huh, you believe these fuckers hunted us out of existence? <laughs> I know, right? Well, like, you know, who needs that? But, hey, um, who designed this,
1: Bob? It looks like a piece of shit in space. <laughs> in order, I think, to um, forgo the subtitles from the probe, they also had to forgo the subtitles from the fishermen later on in the film, which was fine because you, you get what they were out yeah. there for. So, makes sense. Well, they.
2: The only thing they said was, what the hell is that? You, you don't really need a translation for
1: that. No, no, no. I, I mean, mean, what, what, what an image.
2: Faces. <laughs> Maybe it was because it was the first introduction I had to Star Trek, but that movie made it so, like, the Klingon bird of prey was my all-time favorite from oh,
0: Star yeah. Trek,
2: I think.
1: Right, we I didn't know I mean, the fact the that it could turn
2: invisible, like, what more would you want, you know what I mean? But, right. Um, I think a lot of it, too, there was, there was so much... Uh, of the culture and so much of the the crew feeling like a family yes you know it was just they went from this big starship that everybody knew across the galaxy you know hundreds of people on it to a little dinky thing that they had to recharge with 1980s radiation
1: right and that was slick how they, you know, it seemed legit, right? Like, obviously, yeah, like we're not scientists, so we're like, yeah, it sounds good, sounds right, but the writing was, it was pretty it was solid. plausible enough, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. From the aircraft carrier actually called USS Enterprise, so that was a little connection there. I didn't understand that as a kid. Like, wait a minute, because Chekhov says it's the Enterprise, and I was like, what? What are you talking about? The yeah. Enterprise is there?
2: Like, what? See, my my dad was the kind of person that he would answer every question you never asked. So, <laughs> yeah. so he'd be like, oh, you you know what the significance of that is? There's been a space shuttle and there's been a yeah, blah yeah, blah 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 named the USS Enterprise. Blah blah blah. blah you know, right, right. All this stuff about it. it's like cool, Dad. Nobody asked. Me. That's all <laughs> um, but yeah, it's little things like that. Like, uh, I think there was even things they cut out of the movie that would have been like kind of led to a bigger connection like i think the, the little boy running out of the yellow pages office or whatever like the lady was supposed to yell after him like hikaru come back here and that was supposed to be his like yes sulu's like great 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 whatever grandfather grand- yep father that's correct they yeah. tried they
1: tried to film it but the kid wasn't a professional actor and his mom i guess made him super nervous on set so they just had to scrap it i don't know if that's the same actor they used for the kid but he didn't really do much so it easily could be yeah it, it is kind of kind a weird of scene away. but at first it does seem like this is kind of odd why were you we pausing so long but they look at the yellow pages that's ad on the side of the building because they're trying to find yeah, the glass like, manufacturer so it's like ah oh, yeah 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 that's can find it
2: look it up yes yeah Yeah. right
1: what does it mean exact change i love that when spock and uh kirk get on the <laughs> bus It's hilarious a double dumbass yeah. on you yeah um Yeah, the the swearing is, yeah, it's so cool in this film how they're just like, what's with this this language, you know, and I was telling Steve, and I think I told you too, Bill, like, that's the problem with modern Trek is very contemporary with their language. And so it kind of just makes no sense when you have them in this film, like, why they talk like this? Even though the the new shows take place before the you know the original series and they're talking, they're saying F words and all kinds of stuff. They even play like contemporary music. It's really it's not I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I like how they tackled it here, you know, acting like we we got better in our ways, you know, we talked yeah. we communicated better, much better, but it was cool for them to like, especially Spock because he's just saying everything wrong you know.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Except for the end when he finally nailed it. One damn minute, Admiral. Yes! Uh, That was pretty damn good. That was great.
2: That was good. The part that I found the funniest about this, and I didn't quite catch on to it when I was a kid but the fact that like Captain Kirk tries to take charge and he's like, or or Admiral Kirk at the time. so Yes. uh, No worries. But (laughs) <laughs> um, he tries to like take charge, and he's like, "Oh yeah, that's just the way people talk here." And like, he's acting like he knows everything about the 20th century, <laughs> and really, he knows jack shit. <laughs> right? Even currency. So it's funny to see that. But, <laughs> I'll give right. you a hundred
1: dollars for the glasses. <laughs> he's like, "Is that a lot?" <laughs> that right? Of course, yeah. in the 80s, that probably went a long way because he like split it out with each person. And uh,
2: I yeah, I'm sure it did. But yeah, now it wouldn't I mean, really. When you think when you look at it today, and you're like. You know, each team got, what, a third piece <laughs> or something like that? You're like I wouldn't take you every part at all. What the hell? Just get crackers. You don't <laughs> need a big a meal.
1: Yes. Yes.
2: Well, uh, they probably got a replicator on board or something. I don't know.
1: Right. Oh, well, They only had the... Oh, yeah. They think they did change the Klingon replicator out or something. They replaced
2: something. the Klingon food packs, whatever that was. Yes. Yes. We, yes. Don't, we don't really get to... Uh, I don't know. That's a whole other tangent I can get into. We haven't really seen too much of like what the Klingon's ship is like. You know what I mean? Like, what they use for food. I mean, we've seen it here. Later
1: on, we do in in, in TNG and stuff. Like, uh, one dish in particular, Steve, if you will. Gah. Gah.
2: Oh, yeah, gah.
1: There's a great episode, I think, season two, when Riker goes over. When served live. Yes. When served live.
0: Yes. uh, Yeah, it's the episode Matter of Honor. Yes. Yeah. It's an officer exchange type program, yes. and, and he has to be a first officer on a Klingon ship. And oh
2: yeah, right, was, yes, I remember yeah. that now. Okay, but no, you uh, cool.
1: so But before that, I mean, yeah, we didn't really know because they were revamped big time for the motion picture. Very different oh, yeah. from the original series. They even changed, I think, in the original series a little bit too. They are very humanoid looking, and then they, then they got like darker skin and all that crap, and but they were still pretty yeah. humanoid.
2: I don't think they got the the forehead ridges until Star Trek 3, did they? Uh, uh, motion they picture. Motion picture. Or motion picture. But they redefined yeah, them they more
1: in three. 3, yeah. yeah.
2: Right. But
1: yeah, that was a big change. Yeah, Steve, did you have a problem with that change at all back then?
0: Not really. I mean, because uh, I was at that age where I realized that the 60s, only had so many resources from right. a, you know, the budgets <laughs> like yeah. a show
2: budget and right, right you know
0: the whole thing so i mean yeah. me i thought it was actually a pretty cool update because sure. it made a more you know it made a more klingon right, right? and more alien and, yeah you know they're trying to yeah they're trying to sell them in the 60s as klingons and you know they just look like your uncle who was just drunk, up. you know and <laughs> right yeah
1: he was out on the dock too long got a tan yeah yeah exactly, yeah exactly yeah they and could just have like
2: two man shoes and stuff like that right it? yes they did <laughs> yeah.
1: they did and then exactly. to enterprises credit the show enterprise star trek enterprise uh they did explain that um and it probably didn't have to be explained but hey i, I admire them for trying so klingon culture you know the <laughs> The bridge changed between three and four. I don't know if you guys remember that or caught that, but it's totally different from mm-hmm. when it was, uh, what it was in three. Um, yeah,
2: because uh, I think they they redesigned it in four to be a little more cozy, yeah. so it kind of contrasted to the open space of the Enterprise.
1: Right, and I right. think you know I think a way to explain it is, uh, I, you know, it's just fan theories, of course, but you can easily come up with your own fiction of how. They changed it. I mean, this this movie takes place three months after and perhaps, um, yeah, uh, Vulcan's had uh, some repurposed office furniture and they're like, yeah, we'll set it up for you this way. And uh, I didn't notice this time around the people working on the ship, the uh, HMS Bounty, because McCoy coined that uh, new name for the, the ship uh, they had like elf hats on. I don't know if you caught that, but I was just like, yeah, whoa!" I've never noticed that before. Like, this is weird. Like,
2: see, I, I don't like smurf they... hats.
1: They had like smurf hats. Yeah.
2: Yeah. See, I think <laughs> when I was a kid, I probably didn't pay much attention. to.
1: I didn't, I never like did that. until I, I saw it on the big screen. I was just, because I've seen it so many times. So I was able to like really look I think it, into it more. Yeah.
2: I think it's easier to catch little stuff like that when you're watching it in the theater,
1: yeah. And it's not terrible, it's just it's just kind of like, well, that's it's that's not. weird, like Santa Helper ish, you know, vibe, if you will. But
2: well, Vulcans do have pointed ears, so that's
1: true, that's true.
2: And you can you easily might as well be... go the full gamut with them, right? Right, them the little <laughs> curl... they're relative, the curl toe shoes, <laughs> with on them. Keebler cookies, yes. <laughs>
1: oh, they should have marketed for this movie, that would have been perfect. But yeah, we got to see more Vulcan, very beautiful scenery they they did there. And um, this was one thing they discussed in the three-picture saga featurette uh, Lieutenant Savick. She was, of course, originally played by Christy Alley in Star Trek 2, Then Robin Curtis took mm-hmm. over the part for three and four. But yeah, she just has written out of this film very quickly and it's kind of like a mystery as to why. And I guess the one of the original drafts was she was pregnant with Spock's baby. Because they Ponfard Fard yeah. in three when he was going through his uh, adolescent stage. I really wish they would have explored that. I think that would have been kind of a cool idea, and maybe it still could be, uh, you know, canon in fan fandom world. I guess you could say. But yeah, did you ever find that um, odd, Steve, uh, when you first saw it? Like, why the hell are they getting rid of Savic so quickly?
0: Well, yeah, because I mean, I thought she was. Uh, I thought she was a cool character, and. Yeah. Um, you know, they uh, she was pretty accepted too by the audiences of Star Trek mm-hmm. back then, which, you know, was pretty loyal to the original cast and and all that. And so to have someone new come in like Savick, they I think they did a good job with her. And so yeah, the loser was kind of, eh, okay. I don't, I don't know what the hell is happening here, but
2: if I remember correctly, in six it was supposed to be Savick coming back instead of Valeris.
0: Correct. Right. You were
2: right. It was. And she was going to be like involved in the plot or something somehow. I don't know.
1: Yeah, uh, Savik uh, was going to take uh, Valeris's path into like you know betraying the Federation or not for the Federation but the Klingons. Uh, Gene yeah, I'm Roddenberry. Glad they changed it. Yeah, it was it was thanks to Gene Roddenberry actually because he thought the audience yeah. uh, grew too attached to her and would really react negatively to this change. Um, you know, well, it would when, be very ballsy. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't think I would have liked it at all. I, she didn't seem that type to me.
2: She was very like gentle and um, right. You know, like almost procedural. motherly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And even even in two, like Spock had to be like, "No, we don't do that around here," kind of thing. Right. You know, it's kind of like, "No, you're you're taking it a little too far now."
1: Right.
2: <laughs> yeah. Logic is one thing, but don't be a dick.
1: Well, there's yep. so many things they didn't explore, like Cristy Portrayed her with having more emotion. I think she was like, I think she had some Romulan, or she was Romulan, or something. But you know, she cried at the end of two. Then when Robin Curtis took over, she really played it like, like no emotions really. So there was a different, there was a different uh, take on the character, if you will. I, what do you guys prefer, Christy Alley or Robin Curtis, in the part? Or Robin, Robin
2: Curtis. Curtis. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little, you know, what what was hardest for me? I think with um, when I started watching more and more of Star Trek as mm. I was growing up, was that I'd see somebody and be like, "Oh, that's so and so from this show." Yeah, and of course, my you know dad was a big fan of Cheers. Yes. So seeing Kirstie Alley in in Star Trek too, mm-hmm. I was just kind of like, "Yeah, it doesn't really do it for me." But also, like going forward, like the girl in Star Trek Four, Jillian, whatever the. You know, marine biologist. Yes, yeah. she ends up being the mom in Seventh Heaven, so that was kind
1: of like. Isn't that weird? Yeah, weird. and the dude, uh oh, what's his name? He was on Seventh Heaven. He, seventh Heaven. He played the minister. Uh, mm-hmm. st- Steve, I think something. He was, in, he was in the motion picture, so they're both oh, from yeah. oh, Star Trek films. Oh, that's right.
2: Yeah, yes. he was, the, he was uh, Decker. Yes. Yeah, I can't Decker. I remember. Yeah. Is it Steve something is, is the actor's it's name? something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's shit.
1: Just, I hate that. Yeah, my damn Mr. brain.
2: ex Excommunicado for touching kids.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Bummer, right? Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Like, shit. Guess he won't be back at conventions. Um, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he Doc. Did? Yeah.
2: Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, was, I didn't know that. He admitted to it. Uh, yeah. It was a few years. Show. Yeah. It wasn't
1: Yeesh. Yeah, no shit.
2: Like, Oh, God. Yeah, well, we're not going to bring uh, back 7th Heaven, I guess. Shit. <laughs> darn. Damn it. I've got one thing I have to bring up, and I and I want you guys to give me your opinion on this. Sure. Do you think that the past would have been altered by um, Chekhov leaving his communicator and phaser and his uh, 23rd yeah. century clothing behind?
1: Uh, yeah, that yes. kind of bugged me, man. I was like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, but the radiation destroyed it, maybe. So, See, but his yeah, ID's still was, there.
2: That's what I was kind of thinking too. Is yeah, like the the naval officer that was interrogating him thought he was, you know, mentally challenged. Anyway. Oh, I know. Was like, yeah. I'm shoot you with my ray gun, and then it doesn't work, and he's probably like, "Oh, these are probably just." really I, expensive looking toys he got from Russia and threw them away.
1: I actually thought they were going to take out the R-word. I wasn't sure if they would, but I think everyone knows what that is.
0: <laughs> um, All right. Of course you know. he's a Rusky, but he's a retard <laughs> or something. I mean, there's like... <laughs>
2: well, there you go. Edgy, even <laughs> <still>. <laughs> yeah.
1: But I was but just that that like wondering.
2: That's how, the line. how people talked in the 80s.
1: I man. know, I know, yeah. I know, That's man. Right. But, you know, you're judged for everything now, so I uh, can't say it. <laughs>
2: I've got something, like, totally on a different tangent here or something. Like that. Sure. Um, one thing I found the most interesting of it, I had no idea about, it, was the um, – there's two stories involving the punk kid on the bus. Yes. So the idea that Leonard Nimoy had for pinching his neck and putting him to sleep, basically, was he was – Riding on a train or a bus or something like that, and somebody was playing music really loud, and he's like, "God, I wish I could <laughs> nerve pinch in real life because he would just take him out." <laughs> yes. Um, but the the guy playing the punk guy, I guess he thought that the music they picked for him was too soft or something, so he wrote his own song, and that was the one used in the film. Yep. Oh, sweet. Yep, he did, man. You know, he did. And also, fun little Easter egg is if you watch uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming. When the hot dog vendor goes do a flip, um, he's standing next to the hot dog vendor. With the boombox. With the oh. boombox. Yeah.
1: yeah, man, that's Kirk yeah. Thatcher. He was an associate producer, and uh, there's yeah. a great featurette on. That's the one thing about the uh, films when they came out on DVD, and I think the the 4K ones will have this these featurettes uh, as well. But yeah, he talked all yeah. about that, like how he he just got some equipment together and he recorded that song in a hallway and um yeah, yeah that was hilarious cool. oh it's good it's like legit yeah. man it really sounds yeah. like this Screw is real you.
2: yes and I, I can't remember it's like very misfits sound. yeah
1: very and there was something about the radio too like i don't know if it was always planned for his head to turn it off i don't know if that was just kind of a thing that they came up with on the spot but you know after he pinches him he just slams into his boombox and it turns off
2: yeah
0: yeah that's right
2: that's what was cool about going, uh, I don't know if Fathom does this for all their events, but the little featurette thing they had at the beginning. Yes. Like, uh, when I was growing up, you know, watching like VHSs and stuff like that, they never had special features on them. Right. Unless you got like some special thing, or like you walked, happened to watch some documentary on cable or something. Yes. You know, right. Like, yep. you know, IMDB and special features on DVDs weren't going to be a thing for another 10 plus years. Mm-hmm. So it's like those little behind the scenes stuff we didn't know that until now, obviously. I thought that's what was kind of cool about yeah. the release. I, I learned quite a bit about the film that I didn't know.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a phenomenal film. And to go back to our friend Deckard. Yes. Um, <laughs> his name is Stephen Collins. Yes. And yes, he did admit to it. Uh, guess where he was born? Iowa. <laughs> Iowa. Des Moines, Iowa.
2: Oh my God! What Des Moines, <laughs> Iowa? <laughs> Holy shit. You know what? It's so funny. Because, hey, you like, can't
1: blame it, man. Come on. Should have been from Omaha. No, damn it.
2: I'm just reporting. Always, uh, scratch off that monument. I remember seeing this. There's this one movie I saw one time, uh, totally unrelated, but like the main character was like a uh, CEO or something like that. And he was secretly like this really creepy dominatrix. <laughs> and uh, somebody asked him where he was born. and He said Des Moines, Iowa. I was like, it's always <laughs> fucking Iowa, man. Why?
0: <laughs> right. It always is. I don't know why. <laughs> At least Kirk is from Iowa, right? Which was established yeah, in this film, exactly. I think,
1: for the first time. He's from Iowa, yeah. So that was that was a huge win there. Yes. <laughs> Captain Kirk, yeah. man,
0: yeah. One of the few we get. We get uh, Kirk, and we get Field of Dreams. Everything else, we get uh, you know Sex Offender Boy and Dominatrix Man.
2: <laughs> right, right. Hey, we have corn and Slipknot. <laughs> we do. <laughs> And the Iowa State Fair was referenced in Deadpool, so I count that as a win. Oh, there you go. Yeah. All
1: right. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Very good. Well, yeah, we probably wouldn't have the cool monument in Riverside, Iowa, if it wasn't for this film. You know, for those who don't know, there's a headstone up there That's... that has his birth date. as March 22nd, 2228. Pretty cool. I don't know if you've ever been those that town. You guys... Um,
2: it's I've pretty fun. Driven past it, don't they? Don't they have like a sign at the city limits or something that says "Future Birthplace"? Birth yeah, to
1: they do. And they James have T. Yep.
2: or something.
1: They have banners up on their light posts. Uh, all the classic characters. They have a museum there. They have a statue. They even do an annual festival. Uh, actually, Robin Curtis was at the last one. Oh, um, neat! It's only like two-hour drive, I think. It's not too bad. Um, yeah, very cool. It's of course not officially canon, if you will. But hey, it's been great for Riverside, Iowa, and uh, you know another win for us. I'd say that was pretty cool. He said it twice in the film. Yeah, it's pretty special. This uh, actually was the first Star Trek film that screened in Russia. Um, they liked the the message, and uh, producer Harve Bennett attended the screening there. And actually it was shown in the White House here. So probably the only Star Trek film in the White House, I guess. But I mean, that's how <laughs> probably it, that's how much it unified people. Out of all the films. This is the only one that has a tribute at the beginning of it, which is, of course, to The Challenger, which happened January 28th, 1986. So it was was very fresh, very fresh.
0: Yeah, and it was really cool. You know, when they did that, it was just another one of those things about this film that just unifies people. And, you know, that whole message uh, was just really cool. And. And at the beginning, it, it popped up and it said the cast and crew of Star Trek wish to dedicate this film to the men and women of the Spaceship Challenger, whose courageous spirit shall live to the 23rd century and beyond. So that was pretty cool.
1: That is cool. Very special, yeah, because it was very fresh still when that movie came out. And it's really fitting for the film because where, you know, when it takes place. Director uh, Nicholas Meyer actually wrote the scenes that took place in the past. His writing comes in when they... When Spock says, judging by the pollution content, we have arrived in the latest uh, century here. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, and this was the first one that was the first film that anyway, that was filmed on an actual location versus on a set, correct? Yes, San Francisco. It was actually filmed on the, on the streets yeah. of San Francisco instead yep. of using a, a set.
1: Exactly, yeah, because it was like probably dirt cheap to do it that way. Because I think for um, oh, I'm sure. I think for Star Trek three, they wanted to go to like Hawaii or some tropical place, and they mm-hmm. that was not in the budget, so <laughs> that was a no no. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, they got away with a lot of great special effects in this film. All the whales were fake; they're yeah. all robotic, which uh, actually they, fooled uh, the animal rights activists at the time.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. They uh, they had a big Think about that. Yes. All like, oh, these wells were putting; they're filming too close to their habitat. And but it's incredible. Yeah, glad they're not real,
0: idiot. Yeah.
2: Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> then the robotic activist came in, and that just broke all loose. And yeah, remarkable. Skynet. Skynet. Yeah. When you talked about Chekhov stuff being left behind, I thought of Skynet. Actually, I was like, that's how it that shit starts, man. That's
2: how it <laughs> yeah. starts. You um, scene Terminator? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Hey, that well, should be a movie. There then you I, you know, like kind of random thought, but then I like started thinking about the Hulk speech in Endgame. I'm like, oh, wait, so if Back to the Future was a bunch of bullshit, maybe that's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. But um, no, this, uh, this movie actually started kind of a trend there for a little while. There was an episode of Next Generation, a two-part episode of Next Generation, and then a two-part episode of DS9 where they went back in time to San Francisco. I don't think it was during right. the 80s specifically. But right, yeah, it was... It kind of like seemed to be like, oh, if you're going to time travel in Star Trek, it has to be San Francisco.
1: Well, they shot in L.A. and stuff, so it was probably close enough by probably versus close. Yeah. going somewhere. Close yeah, they used that probably quite a bit, but very freaking cool. I mean, it's really... On location definitely was a, a big treat, and that's probably you know some of the magic of this film, but there is a funny story mm-hmm. about the the fake whales. There's a... There's a shot of the fake whales swimming past the Golden Gate Bridge. And I guess their cable caught a nuclear sub and they were pulled out to sea.
2: <laughs> yes, I heard about that. Oh my God. <laughs> Jesus. Where are <laughs> whales
1: going? Yeah. Right. And the the helicopter Sulu flew was a model they put together on the spot. I believe they just got a model kit and made it work. Um, probably didn't have a budget to actually have a... Huey come in to a park, you know, like they did. Um Although well, the shot in the park might be real, but the one... Yeah, I think it's the shot where it goes across the bay. That's a, a miniature model of a... And they yeah. got away with it, man. I mean, they really pulled it off. Like, never... I never thought the whales were fake. You know, I never did. And it's just remarkable. Oh, not at all. And uh they actually uncovered a old water tank at the Paramount lot itself, which was a parking lot, and uh, they were able to film the the underwater sequences in there and uh yeah shatner himself did that courageous swim to save the whales at the end and you know knowing what i know now i'm like damn he had some great wig glue because didn't come off man (laughs) holy shit i kept i kept waiting for it i'm like damn man that's really on there shit i mean was that that was known back then wasn't it steve that that was not oh yeah yeah probably ever since the motion picture used to
0: make fun of his hairpiece a lot (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> but yeah, man, that's incredible how it it, it uh, was just flowing underwater. I was just like, oh my god, where is it? Where where's the scalp? I don't see it. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Now that you say that, I do think his hair was a little extra buoyant. So, many months, <laughs> yeah, that was the reason.
0: Right. It was a flotation device, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One thing I loved about the movie was, um, you know, it is actually credited uh, for the resurgence of the humpback whale. Yeah. you know because back in the day I mean it was 90 percent of the population was gone I believe by that time mm-hmm. and yeah. um you know now it's you know it's rebounded significantly you know I mean it's still a, it's still a risk because you know sure. people will wail, but uh right yeah I mean right. it was just it was just a really cool thing that you know it kind of brought that humanitarian effort to the forefront you know to you just make a, a cool film even cooler. So I, I just thought that was a really cool deal.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just a, a magical film. I mean, it's, yeah, it's it's a, such a great film that anyone can you can watch it with your kids or you know everyone's gonna get something out of it basically. And I think that's what the uh, big appeal is. You know, it's just got a, a simple message to it and um, not really any huge violence. One thing that's really unique. I didn't know about this till years later. Eddie Murphy was almost in this film, which would have changed it drastically. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy he right. wasn't, because I think that would have been a big distraction. And, yeah, I probably would have been way over the top with the humor. But he was originally going to be Dr. Taylor, I guess, which was written totally different. He was like a UFO nut college professor. He decided to do The Golden Child instead, which he regretted um, afterwards, of course. But I think that was a win for us, because we got you know Catherine Hicks who of course played the doctor and she's the only person only female i think who actually burned kirk i think she burned him at the end where he's like hey i don't even have your telephone number and she doesn't she say like i'll find you like oh my god i wanted to tell yeah. bill right then and they're like burn
2: no, sure.
1: <laughs> nice i didn't see it though between them honestly i mean there was flirtation but well, I, was, I was okay with them not going there you know kirk didn't have to Bang every girl, you know.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was kind. Of, it kind of reminded. Well, you know, in retrospect, kind of reminds me of the original series yeah. uh, episodes where he'd like pick up with an alien chick and then never speak to her again. Right. You know, which I mean, he didn't really, you know, hit it and quit it with Jillian, but. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, it, I kind of wanted to see, like, at some point, you know, just a mention mm-hmm. of her, like, hey, the. We just spotted a pot of whales outside of Alaska. Looks like they're thriving again or something. You know, just yeah. a little throwaway thing. And yeah. again, I think the thing that works so well with Star Trek that pisses me off about Star Wars mm-hmm. is that not everything needs to be connected or explained. Right, right. So like some, some of that's just there for your interpretation. Of course,
0: yeah. Well, yeah, it's cool knowing that she would went to the future and. Who knows what the hell she did after that, but, you know, she probably did something cool.
2: Well, and, you know, with her being on a science vessel, it's probably like, okay, well, we have this, you know, foreign species in our waters now that's been (laughs) extinct for however many years. We need somebody that knows what the hell to do with them.
1: I found that off-putting, like, why is she leaving Earth now? But I don't know how much time passed between them getting back in the trial, you know, uh, could have been yeah. enough for them to like, yeah, we got it. We got it. But yeah, I, I wish we would have known the more of her character. I, yeah.
2: That's the one thing I kind of questioned was like, they just got back. She's already like indoctrinated into Starfleet.
1: Yeah. She's got a uniform on everything. <laughs> and I would like to think that they, they did create like some kind of um, like a, a monument, if you will, people can go see mm-hmm. George and Gracie and she like runs that or something. I don't know. I don't, I don't picture her ever Maybe hooking up with uh, Kirk again. I don't know what ever um, happened yeah. to her character. Just like it's just like Savick too. It's like really wasted well, there, characters.
2: There really wasn't anything missed by her being absent. No, no, there was. From the future wasn't. films, I mean, it's one of those things. Like, hey, I remember you.
1: Unless they had the but, baby. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, part of it.
0: It would have been just a whole, you know, whatever happened to you know. I mean, yeah. Um, unlike Savick, you know, she, you know, she was only around for one film. And, well, I, uh right. yeah.
2: I think with her character too, they probably. I think there was a few novels and stuff like that that went into her. Pop- I know those aren't yeah. canon, but you know. Yeah, I, like right. there was when they were doing more novels and stuff like that than they are now. It's uh, they were like, oh, let's let's touch on this aspect that nobody else has covered yet there's a lot of yeah, cool shit in those them. novels
1: and comics there's a lot of cool stories that i wish they would explore more i wish i told steve i wish they would treat star trek kind of like star wars try to go back within canon and tell new stories you know with new crews new characters instead of all this kind yeah. of reboot shit you know to me it's just kind of wasteful you know there's there's so much uh, stuff out there to explore and uh, it's just, I, you know, someday I think we'll get someone who really understands, like a Kevin Feige, if you will, because he actually is a Star Trek fan, which I love for him to take over
2: <laughs> and run the run the ship. Could you imagine if like Disney got Star Trek as a property as well? I don't That's know. What, at, at that at, point, what wouldn't they?
1: At um, times I would like them to, but no, I, I don't. I don't. Just just because I don't, I don't, don't like where it's
2: heading right now, I, I just. I, well, look at. Uh, yeah, I didn't think anybody could possibly screw up Star Wars worse than George Lucas, but here we are. Right, <laughs> right.
0: Except for you, Fabro. Don't worry yes. about it. Except for <laughs> there you go. Yeah. With the exception
1: of Fabro. Along with Fabro. Yep, exactly. I loved when they rescued Chekhov. That's the most intense scene when he falls that, and he's just laying there yeah. like a dead corpse. It's freaking, it's just freaky.
2: Yeah, that's probably my favorite scene in the movie, too, just simply because of Dr. McCoy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like the banter he has with the you know 1980s Doctor. Yeah, he hates modern he medicine. Like, then,
1: yeah, savages. Yeah. And he gives and that the, uh, lady the old pills. Old lady, yes. Yeah.
2: He gives her a pill and she grow, regrows her kidney. I love yeah. that.
0: Oh my god, totally cured. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Call, t- uh, take two of these, and uh and if you need anything, Call let, me, let, let me know or something like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Doctor, I
1: grew a new kidney. Yeah. What if she's still alive oh, that would in be, canon?
2: That would, be a, that would be a cruel trick to play on some on some old lady. Be like, if this doesn't work for you, find me in the park. I'm in the invisible spaceship. They would commit her. <laughs> That's Publisher's Clearinghouse, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man.
1: Yeah, classic film, guys. And it was great to talk to you about it. And uh, it was great seeing it in the theater, Bill. Thanks for coming. And Steve, yeah. you'll have to come next time, man. Absolutely, have. as I'm long sure as they'll...
0: I'm not having to
1: work. Right, of course. Yeah. Well, we'll contact Fathom, give them give them your schedule, and hopefully they can get around they it. They can work out. around it. Like you don't understand. I have to see this. You don't understand. Yes. <laughs> well, great guys. This was fun. It's a fun chat, and um, yeah, we will be back. Hopefully, get Steve's thoughts on Star Trek Discovery season three, and of course, Bill, you're welcome to come back and talk to us about. Anything Lower Decks, uh, we will be covering classic episodes eventually, so I look forward to doing that. And um, hopefully down the road, commentaries, if we get back in person, that would be that'd be wonderful. Absolutely.
2: Yeah.
0: Anything
1: else, guys, before we leave? I don't think so.
0: I don't think so, yeah. Just a great film. If you've never seen it, um, stop what you're doing and go find it. It's. I give it a five out of five dead whales.
1: Hell yeah. <laughs> There'll Sorry. be whales here.
0: Lazinga.
1: I love when uh, that guy interrogating Chuck off, he's like, uh, what's your, he goes, what's your name? Or what do you, what do you say? He goes, like name. Name. He my goes name. what's my name? Oh, my no, my name. name. I, do I
2: don't your know your name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, I love it. Love it. So yeah, with that said, we'll be back three to beam up. I'm Josh. I'm Steve.
2: I'm Bill. Take care.